Assalamu alaikum. Uh, we are back. Welcome to season two, episode one of Muslims, Money and Me, alongside yours truly, Jordan Maxwell, where we deep dive into all things personal finance and discuss how you, as a modern Muslim, can navigate the choppy waters of money management with confidence. Now, I'm very eager to jump in uh, with our first episode with our guest, but before we do, um, this episode is brought to you by Wealthy. Uh, the financial coaching and well-being service for Muslim professionals and business owners. So whether you want to improve your financial habits, transform your relationship with money, or simply build better uh, financial well-being in general, Wealthy has it covered. Head over to wealthy.co.uk. Again, that's wealthy, W-E-A-L-T-H-I-E.co.uk, where you can request a free discovery Zoom call, or you can take the free money health check questionnaire and see just how fit your finances currently are. Either way, Head over to Wealthy and start your journey to financial well-being today. So without further ado, let's jump in. Now, as you guys know, I'm no good with, uh, with the formal introductions. But what I can say is this particular brother I connected with, I want to say uh, early last year. Actually, it might have been earlier than that, maybe 2019. And uh, what I've seen is as far as his contribution and his visibility with this particular subject, he's been nothing but um, you know, nothing but consistent and amazing. You know, if it's anything to do with Islamic finance, uh, particularly investing, and even more, more recently pensions, this guy's name is definitely in the conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome brother Abu Fazaluddin. Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum salam. Jazakallah khair for the very beautiful introduction. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very well, brother. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I, I really can't complain. Thank you for, for giving us your time and uh, agreeing to be our very first guest on Muslims, Money and Me. How are you feeling? No, thank you very much for uh, inviting me. No, definitely. Been so, waiting uh, for that invite, man. Nah, it was okay. So, I mean, for those who haven't heard of you, I mean, we, we connected on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I see the majority of your work. But for those who have probably been living under a rock and haven't really heard of you uh, or your work, uh, can you give us a quick breakdown of, of what you've been up to and the current work that you're doing? Um, so, Jazakallah khair. Um, so, yeah, so um, my name is Abul Fazal, uh, Business Development Manager at Wahid Invest. Um, for those who don't know who Wahid Invest is, we're a digital online investment platform, soon to be on an app. Um, but uh, we, what we offer are personal accounts, corporate accounts, uh, personal pensions, as well as workplace pensions. Um, we are a Sharia compliant uh, investment fund manager in the UK. And, and all we do is provide uh, our customers with something with uh, an investment portfolio uh, designed and tweaked um, in-house um, to enable Muslims to save in a, in a Sharia compliant way. But also more importantly, know that it's halal in their hands. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for that. So obviously, you spend uh, a lot of time in, uh, you know, in financial services, uh, and that's the, the the bulk of the the work that you're doing at the moment. Um, so you have plenty of experiences. I'm very sure uh, you've seen plenty of occasions where financial well-being has been a, a topic of discussion. Um, I suppose a good place to to start and kick things off at a higher level is what does what does financial well-being mean to you specifically? Uh, well, it, uh, well, having been in the industry for so many years, I'm perhaps a little bit cynical, but for, for, for me, financial well-being is, is primarily about knowing that not only are you making plans for your future, um, you have some kind of roadmap, you understand where you're going, um, but you have some idea of you know, what's going to happen in the, in the situations which you cannot foresee or you haven't planned for. 
Uh, and for me, that is just as important as making those future plans and having things in place. It's making sure that you know what can you do, where can you go, who can you turn to in for those unforeseen circumstances. Um, I don't know if that if that's uh, the answer you was looking for, but for me, that's what that's what financial well-being means is that you have a plan in place. Right. So would you say it's a lot to do with uh, what, what I heard there is obviously that the fact that thinking ahead, right, and, and the, um, the ability to think ahead for those unforeseen circumstances. Um, you've been, as I say, we've been, you've been in financial services quite a while. Um, is there anything in particular that you've seen within the community where we, we haven't, haven't had this? Well, yes. I mean, uh, I suppose my, my background um, has always been in wealth management, um, mainly as a banker for high net worth individuals. Um, I've tended to work for, you know, some of the largest high street banks there is, uh, as well as some private banking institutions as well. So it's always been dealing with, well, majority of my time has been dealing with, you know, high net worth individuals who have already got money or have the capacity to earn the money to, to save and things like that. Um, but I've always tended to shy away from dealing with the, the, the Southeast Asian community or the Muslim community in general. Um, numerous different reasons why um, uh, that has been. But uh, Alhamdulillah, uh, early, so uh, early 2019, uh, I wanted to change change my career path, and uh, it brought me in the in the path of uh, of Wahid Invest. Um, and I knew that having been in the industry for twenty odd years, I wanted to use that knowledge and experience to help Muslims to to save and invest because non-Muslims have been doing it for generations. And I think we as a as a community we've been we've been missing out. Um, and I wanted to to be part of that journey to to help educate Muslims. I suppose the key things that when I first joined, there are a lot of people who knew about making money, very successful individuals in their own rights, but they didn't know the basics in terms of how do I take advantage of tax allowances, an ISA, for example, um, or a pension. For me, I suppose with my background, it was just part and parcel of, you know, breathing air uh, for me, you know, use your tax allowances. But for the vast majority of people, they didn't even know. And I'm talking, you know, educated people. Um, you know, I, I talk to, to lawyers. They don't know what an ISA is. I talk to, a, to an accountant and they say, I don't believe in pensions. Um, and for me, this is incredulous. So uh, I suppose that the biggest thing is educating ourselves in knowing that actually there are multiple avenues and it's not just gold or property, which is going to help you to, to make money in the future. That's interesting. Um... Well, some of the things that I picked out there, um, you, you mentioned that during your time in wealth management, you kind of didn't, uh, not necessarily that you stayed away from, uh, from you know, the Southeast Asian community, um, but is it right to assume that they just weren't part and parcel of your client base at the time? Yeah, yeah, so they didn't. I mean, majority of, uh, if I'm talking generally speaking here, the vast majority of people, it's, you know, I've got a bit of wealth, I'm going to do property. Yeah. So in terms of wealth management and things like that, it's never been a consideration. It's never been something that they're thinking about, um, you know. And uh, so for, for me, if if wealth management isn't going to form part of what you are hoping to achieve for long term, then I've just accepted that. Yeah. OK, fine. I'll leave you to do what you do. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of other people out there who, will, you know, who are willing and prepared to listen to the advice that I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to offer. 
Why do you think that is? Why do you think that that community has been so underserved um, from from the industry? I, I think fundamentally that there's been numerous different things. So Southeast Asian community, you know, we we we're traditionally land is something which we're we're brought up believing in and thinking land is what you need you need to be uh, a landowner you need to own property to to build up wealth um so from a southeast asian perspective that's what it's been from a muslim perspective i, I suppose it's a little bit different where we've then when you're talking about wealth management for the vast majority of people we think wealth management banking investments riba riba is not permitted um and so therefore they've said well actually it's not for me i can't get myself involved in this and so therefore they've tended to stay away from it because of the uh, i suppose the lack of understanding of it there's also been you know, instances in the past where individuals have come you know come down to the local masjid or spoken to community members and stuff like that and said hey invest with me i can make you money i'm halal i'm sherry compliant don't worry bismillah you're going to do this and inshallah or saying all the right words and then lo and behold they've disappeared um with a lot of people's money um so i suppose you know people have been bitten once bitten twice shy as the, as the saying goes so uh, so people have shied away from it from, from that perspective as well especially when you say sure you're compliant it, it rings the alarm bells for a lot of people unfortunately yeah you're right you're definitely right there um just just staying on that note and in that period of time when you were you know back in wealth management obviously you were someone who was you was operating in both of those worlds so you you were you were dealing with high net worth individuals and you know as a wealth manager yourself i'm assuming you went through all the qualifications you were very informed uh, and knowledgeable about the subject matter and what needed to be done and you saw people actively doing it in your clients but at the same time you're a muslim right and you're from, you're from that community as well where you can kind of see and in your words as you said we there's, there's an aspect of us missing out <laughs> on, on a lot of yeah, most definitely. um how did it feel being in those two different worlds? Was it was it quite conflicting? Um, very conflicting. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to even pretend that being a banker uh, and being Muslim, uh, they, you know, they don't go ha you know, hand in hand. Um, dealing and, and uh, advising in riba-based products was something, I suppose, when I was younger, when uh, religion wasn't, you know, a fundamental basis of who I was as an identity, you know, it was just a, okay, I'm Muslim, but I'm in banking. I want to make money. Um, as I got older, as I started to, you know, have my own families, when I perhaps started to take my religion a lot more seriously and, and understand what uh, we're being taught, you know, certainly when, when I'm teaching my own children um, about Islam, uh, because it is very, very important that, you know, that I raise my children as Muslims, um, that I started to actually, whilst I'm trying to gather information and knowledge for myself to then partake on, on my children that I really started to understand and, and uh, understand where I am uh, within the community, but also what I'm doing personally in terms of as a, as a banker. Um, so that is when I decided to move away from, uh, from, from what I was doing. Um, but in terms of conflict, um, where you have a community uh, you know, and I, I come from the Bangladeshi community. So for, for the vast majority of people, it was, I know better than you. I'm making money in property. And for a lot of people, certainly in the late 90s, uh, you know, well, actually from the noughties onwards, they were making serious amounts of money in, in property. Um, so 
what can you say when the stock market's going up and down and, and things like that uh, to, to dissuade somebody from buying a property? Uh, and even just sitting on that property without even developing it in any shape or form, you would have you know, seen some kind of profit rise. Um, you know, and I've, I've got family members who are in exactly that situation. Um, so how can you persuade them actually there is something else out there? Okay, it carries risk, but it could provide you with far better rates of return. You can't. So I resign myself that the fact that I'm not going to be able to help these people. So you just move on. You know, there's plenty of other people um, who are willing to take that advice. They just happen to be non-Muslim. So you just concentrate on that. And that's what I did. Right. OK. I mean, you touched on there about a lot of the influences that are, you know, not only religious, as, you know, our social influences, but also our family, those who are quite close to us. You know, growing up in that community, you must have had so many uh, so many influences around you telling you, oh, you should do this, don't do that. This is where the money is. This is where the money isn't. Um, mm. Do you remember a particular moment in your, whether it's childhood or, you know, early, early adolescence where kind of like a light bulb moment where it was like, yes, that's right. But there's also all these other things. And that's really what I want to start learning about. Um, I suppose that happened in my late teens, um, certainly around the time when I was, um, you know, just past my driving test. And I remember... Um, always talking to my dad before, you know, taking my test that, you know, how, how is he going to, you know, what kind of car am I going to get? What kind of things, you know, all of these kind of things as a, as a typical boy, um, you know, would, would think about. And certainly, you know, I, I regarded myself as a bit of a boy racer. I was just like, yeah, cars, cars, cars. And so, alhamdulillah, you know, growing up, um, I never wanted for anything. You know, my father looked after us, uh, worked very, very hard to, to provide us with everything that we ever wanted. And so once I passed my test, literally, the, you know, that weekend, my, my dad took us around different places and, uh, and he, he saw different cars. And then I decided, right, that, that's the car I want. Golf GTI, dad, that's the one I want. You know, I'm from that age where Golf GTI was the be all and the end or Mark II, Mark III, Golf GTI is what I was after. So I'd seen one and my dad was like, great, son, that's fantastic. How are you going to pay for it? And up until that point, you know, dad had looked after, alhamdulillah, dad had looked after everything. And it's at that point that my dad said, no, you're at that age now, son, that you need to understand. And it was, this is probably the first frank conversation I've ever had about money with my father. And he said, listen, I came to this country. I had about 10 pence in my pocket and I worked hard to what I have. You need to do the same. If you want a nice car, you need to do exactly the same. And uh, it's at that point that actually I then started to realize that I need to think about working, earning something, you know, buying uh, my own car. All of these kind of things became a, a reality. And is that you know that was probably the most fundamental shift in paradigm that I had in in terms of attitude towards money. Because before that, if I'm honest with you, I didn't think about money at all. You know, if I needed anything, ask Dad. Dad, can I have 50 quid, I need to go shopping. Dad, can I have a hundred pounds? I've seen these pair of jeans. All of the, they weren't a hundred pounds back then, alhamdulillah. But it's those kind of things that it was always go to dad. Uh, and it was just the bank of mum and dad. And I, you know, my family, very traditional conservative, you know, money wasn't really talked about from that sense. Um, it was very much a taboo. You know, my, my dad was always, he's the patriarch of the household. If you needed anything, you went to ask him and that was it. He never asked, you know, talked about how hard he's working to earn that money and things like that and I suppose from my perspective essentially it was money just grows on a tree uh, and it's only at that point that he you know first time he talked about his hardships of working you know 
how he grew up and things like that, which then changed my perspective. And this is when I started to get interested in personal finance. Uh, didn't, didn't, you know, there was no harm in thinking it was that, that point that you know, young people were getting into finance, stockbrokering, all of these kind of stuff and making serious money. Yuppies were things, the, the terminologies that I grew up with. So I thought, yeah, do you know what? Finance is, financial advising is where, where, where the money's at. That's where I want to be. So that's how I got into personal finance. Interesting. I think a lot of people got, got into it uh, because of those, you know, the entertainment aspects. You see all these images yeah. and these videos yeah. and, yeah, of it being such a glamorous, glamorous thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's actually funny because I think uh, I, I kind of got into it for the same reason. And it was only until one of my friends sat me down and said, Jordan, I think you love uh, banking movies more than banking itself <laughs> right so I think that's what it was it was like yeah I'm, I'm probably not a good banker but um, I, I do love a good banking movie um, but yeah it's very interesting um, I mean bro you, you mentioned so, so much so much great stuff there um, going back to what you, what you were saying about the relationship you had with you know with, with your parents and kind of like the, the thought that money grows on trees and stuff how would you say that that's influenced in you know you're a parent now would that is that influenced the way yep. that you kind of you know raised your kids and the things yeah you- yeah yeah i mean um, i mean honestly i've got i've got uh, you know i've got a 14 year old daughter i've got a 10 year old uh, 11 year old son uh, and both of them from a very very early stage and it's not just me you know alhamdulillah you know i'm blessed to have a wife who who takes money very seriously as well and we've both are very upfront and honest about money um, it's never um you know the, the, the kids will say yes mum dad i want i want this yes okay fine but we're gonna to have to wait for it the reason being is that actually there's other priorities that we have we can't buy everything that you want and thing else uh, and so because of the fact that we're very upfront and honest about uh, how hard it is to earn money but also um you know to to spend it we need to be wise about it so we're not friends. um these kind of things alhamdulillah inshallah my, you know i'm hoping it's uh, it rubs off on, on my children and I'm, I'm very proud to say that my daughter uh, there's many things that she's probably wanted over the years but and she's asked us and she's just been patient about waiting for it a lot of times you know if they want something they'll get it but it'll be a gift at Eid or something like that so it's not just I want something I'm going to get it the next weekend um, so it's uh, about appreciating things it's a gift um, and, and valuing that, that having that patience to say, well, actually, it's not just about I want it now, 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 now. I've seen this. It's about knowing that, yeah, I'll get it if I'm patient, if I'm good, uh, and I'm, um, you know, and then you know, my parents will work hard and they'll get it for me. But it's also having the ability to say, well, actually, you know, you want, you can't have everything else as well as have a nice house, a nice car, nice holidays, all of these kind of things. There needs to be a bit of give and take as well. So there's a bit of a balancing act which needs to be done. And so educating them about the value of money is very, very important. Uh, and inshallah, they won't grow up to be the you know ones to take debts because they think it's free money um, and all of these kind of things that I see a lot of young people get into nowadays, uh, unfortunately. Would you say that uh, the, the nature of your work and the, all the experiences and the qualifications and the, the knowledge that you have around around money, would you say that that's been a huge influence in instilling those values into your family? Yeah, most definitely. But it's also just my own personal experiences, you know, of, of having somebody who who up until I was in my late teens, would you believe, not knowing about the value of money or where it's coming from or how hard somebody has to work. Um, I, I don't think that helped. Um, 
obviously I, I took my own path to to learn about it myself but we you know we have a duty and obligation to our children to to instill that kind of level of knowledge on them as well um so that they don't have to go off and do it themselves you know we're providing that foundation um to them excellent um i mean i, I think there's a few studies that state that um by as early as age you know seven or maybe even six or sometimes five this is when our relationship with money starts to mold and starts to starts to solidify and crystallize um what are some of the, the things that you would say that we need to do, whether it's to our family or, or within our household, should I say, whether it's in the masjid, whether it's within our, you know, to our colleagues, to our friends, whoever it is, what are some of the things that you would say that we need to start doing as a community uh, to kind of build upon? I suppose as a community, no, this is this doesn't apply just to the, the Muslim community. I think uh, finance is a very taboo subject. Money is, is very, very taboo and it's very personal. Um, you know, one of the key things that keeps on flashing up every single time I think about it is that, uh, you know, my um, Southeast Asian uh, parents, one of the key things when, when they hear somebody else, son, daughter's doing well, you know, doing a good job. One of the key things that they keep on asking, how much money are you earning? It's not actually to 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 find out how much they're going to lend to you as a, as a consequence. It's just actually, it's just a, a real question is, mashallah, you're doing really well. How much are you earning um, for, for no other reason? But we take it very personally. And, you know, a lot of times people will be bristle at that. You know, how dare you ask me? Do You know, I've heard responses do I ask you how much you got in your bank account um so uh, I think no I'm not saying that everybody should tell everybody about their salary details but uh, I think um attitude towards money needs to be start from an early age in terms of actually be you know talk about it husband and wife sometimes right just between yourselves forget the children for a start talking between yourselves how much money you earn or how much savings now obviously in islam husband's responsibility is to take care of his family and the, and the wife can earn and, and the husband has no right over it um but also i think you know if you have a healthy relationship with finance then there shouldn't be any kind of issues in in sharing that information um be, between yourselves but also educating and guiding each other to 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 be able to say well actually there's this I'm doing an ISA for example you should think about doing the same because it's going to help save uh, you tax in the future or I'm paying into my pension right now and that's really really fantastic for the future when whenever we stop earning um, that's going to play a fundamental part in what we do and even if we're alhamdulillah if we don't have to rely on that then it's something we can pass on to our children uh, in, in a tax efficient manner as well it's these kind of things so it's educating ourselves um, and uh, and uh, and trying to find out that there is a world outside of uh, of uh, just earning money and putting it in a bank account. That's good. Yeah, that's a bit, hit the nail on the head. I think <laughs> so much valuable information there. Um, what just bringing in, you know, bringing in that the, the you mentioned things like ISAs and pensions and just getting you know curious about investments mm. in general. What are some of the things that you're seeing at Wahid in, in your current role that's kind of helping to push forward this uh, this movement? So, so one of the things that we we try to do at Wahid is is uh, educational classes. Um, we used to, you know, pre lockdown, we used to do something called Tea with Wahid, and that's just give people the opportunity to come down and, and meet with uh, me and my team um, talk to us about our product 
try to understand a little bit more about what asset classes are, what do they do, how do they form part of our portfolio, why do we use what we use, uh, and uh, you know how how do we decide on you know what, how the, the portfolios are created. Um, since then, uh, you know, we've obviously moved online. Uh, we, we did a lot of webinar sessions where we're educating people about different products, be that end of tax year about pension contributions or ISAs. Um, now we're starting to think about uh, doing other educational things, focusing specifically on asset classes or terminology of something. Because uh, I've seen that, you know, certainly within the, the, the millennials and, and younger, there's a huge appetite to learn about finance now, learn about the, you know, asset classes, stock market, the, the attitude towards investments, has, there's been a paradigm shift away from just cash or property or gold even to other asset classes. Bitcoin is a, is a, is a fantastic one that captures a lot of people's imagination uh, nowadays, but, you know, it forms parts, I suppose, it's a, it's a headline which grabs people's attention and, it, you know, gets them interested in this exploring what other kind of asset classes there are. So for us at Wirehead Invest, we, we certainly want to help people um, educate themselves. Uh, and we feel that there is a huge responsibility on our shoulders as a Sharia compliant investment provider to, to help guide people and, and educate them um, to, towards achieving that for their future. Right. And you mentioned that there's, there's, a huge appetite currently out there, especially from, mm. from people of you know the millennial and, and, and younger generation. Um, mm. what, I mean, what are some of the things? Just just comment on some of the things that you would like to see, not only from Wahid, but also from some of the other players and you know just people that are engaged in this community at the moment and engaged mm. in the subject. What are the some? What are some of the things that you would like to see in order to capture and feed that appetite? Uh, I suppose it's tackling myths. Um, you know, oh, all investments are riba. Uh, every single kind of home purchase plan is 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 interest for for want of a better word. Um, all of these kind of things does does have uh, negative connotations, and it means that actually we are very dubious and skeptical. And unless we we take it upon ourselves to to actually say, do you know what? Let's do something about this. Let's educate them. Let's put something out there that are going to help. You know, you're great at this. You know, some of the videos that you've done in terms of what's a bond, what's the structure of it, why does it, you know, why should we be thinking about them? What are the positives as well as negatives? Um, you know, put aside religion for a put for for a second. It's great that you're doing that, and it's something that I think that more and more of us within the industry we need to be doing. Um, a lot of other institutions are starting to do that, and we certainly need to to play catch up technology now means that actually it's not going to take us a long time to catch up um, but we need to embrace this wholeheartedly definitely definitely and thanks for yeah thanks for checking out that video <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch a majority of your videos as you know <laughs> i suppose one one thing that i really want to want to ask um and i think this will this will be a very nice way to kind of tie this conversation up is all things considered you know we, we've spoke a lot about from back in the day you know growing up and, and the influences that that had on you into your early teens you know going into fatherhood and the impact that you know that your family had the things that you want to instill into them being a wealth manager uh transitioning to wahid being active in the community all those things in combination if you could sum them up if i said to you abel money is what would you say a means to an end it shouldn't be the only thing you're chasing it should help you to achieve something which is far more richer for your own life 
Um, for me, money means that I'm able to help educate my children, put a roof over their head and provide a more stable and uh, inshallah, a better future than what my parents were able to do for me and their parents were able to do for them. And I think uh, that's what it should always be. There's been numerous situations that I've seen where, you know, it, money has been the be all and the end all, you know, let's put, you know, I've seen uh, fathers uh, work day and night to earn money, you know, but not actually spend time with their children. I've seen, um, you know, money be the cause root cause of of uh, families breaking up because you know to to chase a, a a new return or something like that you know you we put things in at risk uh, as a consequence so for me money has always been certainly for for, for me and my family money is actually i want to enrich my experiences and, and memories with my family and money just happens to help to achieve that Wow, there you have it, guys. <laughs> Money is a means to an end, uh, according to Abu Fazaluddin. So, bro, it's been amazing. It's been a, an amazing, very insightful discussion. You know, we we got into so much, and as I said, I'm sure that we could get into a lot more. Uh, I want to thank you again uh, for sharing what you did um, with us today, and I pray Allah continues to to place barakah within your work uh, and assist us all to, uh, to to attain His blessings in this world uh, uh, and uh, as well. Uh, so, just for that, bro. I, I definitely appreciate. Right, yeah. Um, so for those for those watching out there, um, uh, again, if you if you found this beneficial and if you have any queries or comments regarding anything we discussed today um, or just financial well-being in general, feel free to reach out to me. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also go over to Wealthy and connect with us there. Uh, what's the best way to get for people to get hold of you, bro? Um, so they can go to wildheadinvest.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on social media as well. Uh, Abul Fazl uh, on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, you know, abble at wahidinvest.com as well if you ever want to reach out. Fantastic. So there you have it, guys. Uh, until next time, again, um, if, you, if you've got any questions or anything, feel free to get in touch. I look forward to catching you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.